You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside the Fox 59 CBS4 Podcast Studio, welcome to another Colts Blue Zone Podcast alongside Joe Hopkins and Mike Chappell. I'm Dave Griffiths. The band is back together today. Finally, I'm back here because I've been... Uh, uh, acquisitioned by our track coverage for the past couple weeks with the Indy 500 coming up this weekend. Chap, you want to come out? No. <laughs> okay. I, I was out there many, many years during my <laughs> years at the Star, and I've got great Robin Miller stories to tell, but no, I don't want to go out there. I don't think that we could uh, put those Robin Miller stories Most on this podcast. We, may, we could not. No, exactly. So that, that's for another time, another place. Uh, this is a Colts Blue Zone podcast. We'll discuss their new backup quarterback. Nick Foles has arrived, spoke to the media earlier this week. Super Bowl MVP Nick Foles, I will add. Kenny Moore is in, look, is in search of a new contract, and we'll discuss that. And I think we'll go into a little bit of length, a little bit of depth on that one. Uh, and we'll discuss the Colts roster turnover as well. Several key Colts are the final year of their contracts. Um, who has an inside track to stay, to go? Who has to have a better season than you um, than their average to stay on all that stuff? So obviously the whole season to go and a lot, a lot to discuss. But at least we can set the table for uh, what is expected of some of these guys this year and uh, who might have to surpass those expectations to get a new t- contract with the team next offseason. But... We will start with the news first as the Colts have signed quarterback Nick Foles to a two-year contract. The 33-year-old comes in to be an immediate backup to quarterback Matt Ryan. Foles does have 56 career starts. Uh, He'd been the starting quarterback for the Eagles for a while, uh, left to be the Rams starter that didn't work out, went to Kansas City to back up Alex Smith, went back to Philadelphia to back up Carson Wentz, won the Super Bowl, won the Super Bowl MVP, Went to Jacksonville to uh, be the starting quarterback, but that's where all dreams go to die in the NFL, it seems. And now uh, Nick has bounced around, been with the Chicago Bears, and now he's back here. Uh, well, he is here, I should say, with Indianapolis under head coach Frank Reich, who is his offensive coordinator in Philadelphia. So well, what a tangled web we weave, Mike, but it, it comes back to some familiarity for Nick Foles uh, joining Frank Reich, who is one of the coaches, along with randomly Chip Kelly back in his second year in the NFL in 2012-2013, uh, whenever it was, that Nick Foles threw 27 touchdowns and two interceptions for that Philadelphia Eagles squad way back when. But uh, Nick Foles has played some of the best uh, football later in his career when Frank Reich was his offensive coordinator with the Eagles. Yeah, and Frank saw I said I think what was striking is Frank said I've, I've been trying to get him here for since I've been here. And and remember we we talked to Frank last year after Wentz uh, broke the ankle in training camp, and and there was speculation that the Colts would trade with the Bears for Foles, which and and, and we asked Frank about Foles. A normal player or coach would say, well, I can't talk. He's under the team, and he, he spoke glowingly, as did Foles. And what I wrote about to, uh, yesterday, and is striking, it really is, is the transition from Wentz to where they are now is incredible. Because when they let – again, we've beaten this to death. When, when they let Wentz go, there was nothing. There was Sam Ellinger and James Morgan. That's, that's it. <laughs> and now you've got – Two guys with 270-some starts and Super Bowls and Pro Bowls and, you know, thousands of yards. So it's really crazy how different – I think I looked at it. It's like in the last 75 days how things have changed. And we can argue whether these moves were right, but this on paper – looks like it gives him a chance to do something. Joe, when you look at what Nick Foles has been able to do in the past, especially as a backup quarterback, it's something that Frank Reich alluded to the other day when he spoke too, saying sometimes you have a backup and if they have to come in, you hope they can scrape by, they can manage things and they can get you to the finish line sort of. 
Foles has proven in the past that he can do more than that. I mean, in the, in the Super Bowl, he threw for 300-plus yards. And I think what Frank said specifically was uh, you, you have a guy who can throw and throw for 500 yards. I think that's the number he used. Uh, and and Nick, Nick can chuck it. He can, he can hurl it, and uh, he has done it in the past. So if you're looking at backup quarterbacks in the NFL – you can do a whole lot worse than you can with Nick Foles. Just helps you sleep a little bit better at night, knowing that <laughs> if something were to happen to your starting quarterback, um, doesn't mean you can't win a game or two with Nick Foles. Obviously, if Matt Ryan tears his ACL and the whole season lands on Foles, that's a completely different story. But if there's a stretch during the year where the Colts need Nick Foles to start some games, I personally have a lot of confidence that the Colts can still win those games no matter who they're playing. Now, I want to get into this discussion because this is something the Colts did not do last year, and it inarguably cost cost them a game. It cost them a game at Tennessee, which obviously cost them the playoffs. They did not bring in a veteran backup quarterback last year, and Carson Wentz muscled through it, fought through it, led his team out there to Tennessee, and just couldn't quite get it done. I, I say couldn't quite get it done. He couldn't really get anything done. He couldn't move around. And that's not on him. No, I, I'm not saying that's on right. him at all. I, I, I've said that in the past, and I'll, I'll say it again. That's completely on Chris Ballard, not bringing in a reliable backup quarterback to step in in a situation that you knew you were going to end up in. The Carson Wentz has been injured the past couple years. You you had to figure he would need to have someone coming in. And especially when you got him in the building last year in February or March, whenever it was, and you knew that he wasn't going to be vaccinated, you should have gotten a backup quarterback in. Well, a reliable then, then he breaks his ankle in camp. Yeah, and, that, that, <laughs> and then that happens. Like it, it, was, it was the world's most obvious problem that was going to happen, and Chris Ballard did nothing about it. And, and, and this is something Frank Wright kind of addressed the other day, saying, like, talking about we like Sam, we, we really and, – and I believe that he likes Sam. I do. But he was he was kind of describing the, the thought process to bring in a veteran backup, saying, well, we don't want to mortgage the future or something like right, that. Right, bring like, in like, that long-term to hurt you. How, how do you mortgage the future the, these by are one signing year, a generally veteran one, backup quarterback? Like, we, we don't want to hurt the team by signing a veteran back. Like, spend a couple million. You hurt the team by not signing a veteran backup quarterback. So hopefully, guys, this is a situation where they learned their lesson that they need a veteran backup quarterback, even if Matt Ryan has barely missed any time in his entire career. You need, if you want to be a contending team in the postseason, like you're either going to need a guy who has postseason experience, with Fol- which Foles has, or a guy who has starting experience in the past who can lead you through a couple games in the regular season if your starting quarterback goes down. It's just the most obvious thing ever. And again, it goes back to last year as... <clears throat> For me, and I'm getting in. I'm getting into my my thoughts on Carson Wentz again. But like, the, the, they were set up. They were set up as a team, in a sense, for failure last year when they did not have a good, reliable veteran backup quarterback. When the most obvious thing that could happen to your team happened to your team, knocked Carson Wentz out at the near the beginning of the season, and or we should have knocked him out at the beginning of the season. So anyway, this is this is me saying that that Chris Ballard hopefully learned from his mistakes of a year ago got that veteran backup quarterback and entering this year, you can look for other things to be problems with this Colts team if they arise, but backup quarterback is certainly not one of them. Well, we're talking about the Tennessee game, but late in the season, Arizona or after the Arizona game with the Raiders and Jacksonville, if you've got a proven vet that you, that you'd like as a backup, you go to him in Jacksonville at some point. You probably would. I mean, you just would have, and maybe, maybe nothing changes, but, We've talked about it, and it just—I just hit my head against the wall. 
we talk about the depth at receiver. Boy, they need depth at corner and, you know, offensive line. Quarterback? I mean, quarterback? It's the most important position. And, again, they, they, they spent – I think I saw it's like $2.5 million with incentives for, for, for a veteran back. Are you serious? You, you do it. You do it. So, yeah, I, and Frank even mentioned that, that they believe this is a team that's – you know, it's a really good team, so you need the veteran guy. And it, and it just – things – it's incredible how – if we go back to, to where the Wentz thing didn't work, to where they are now, things have simply fallen into place. Mm-hmm. Matt, Matt Ryan was not available, mm-hmm. and, and Nick Foles wasn't available until the Bears cut him. So things have fallen into place. I still have a few anxiety issues at left tackle and receiver, but by and large, they've they've checked the boxes they need to. I went back and looked at Foles. What has he played? Is it sixty-eight games? I think it is. He's thrown for three hundred yards ten times, and four hundred yards. Like three times, and I believe he had seven touchdowns in a game. So I, I mean, th- th- this is a guy that again, I, I maybe he goes out there and just mm-hmm. is awful. I, but but everything we've seen, that's not the case. He's been a very very quality backup, and and then maybe he's not been able to sustain things as a starter. But you want him as a backup, and and what's important about the quarterback room is Matt Ryan's not looking over his shoulder. Yeah, now, you couldn't have brought Foles in last year. You you couldn't have done it. Now the only the only person that this hurts is Sam Ellinger. Because these are two year contracts for Ryan in, in Foles. So that's two years that, that Sam Ellinger's not going to get any exposure except in preseason. But it, 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 that that's that's where they are and that's it, it, if that's the downside to signing Nick Foles, then you just deal with it. I mean, there's always a chance that Ellinger goes out in training camp and just clearly outperforms Nick Foles and earns the job. I don't think that's impossible. I'd be surprised if it happened because I do think Nick Foles is a quality quarterback. But if if the competition is as really, you know, as pure in training camp as Colts coaching staff says it is, uh, Sam Ellinger, that backup job is not off the table for him. I would be stunned if Sam Ellinger is I'd the backup surprised, quarterback. Just based on what we saw last year. He still year, has right. a chance to earn it. He does. I also wouldn't be surprised if they try to work uh, work him in somewhat to the offense like they did last year. If he's going to be active on Sundays, that'd be like if they have three active quarterbacks on Sundays, that would be a lot, though, to I'd be, be perfectly honest. I, yeah, so, yeah, the more I talk about it, the more maybe not. But they did try to get him in there sometimes last year in goal line situations. I, I think the uh, the the obvious choice would would to be uh, be able to run your running backs in goal to go or first uh, one, and or, one to go situation. Or your seven foot tight ends. That'd be nice. Yeah, all those things. But they weren't able to do that last year. We right. saw early in the season just slamming their heads against the wall on first and goal second and goal third and goal they so they needed to do something try to get that short running game going Jacoby Brissett was no longer here guys we didn't have that the the secret weapon to get third and one to get fourth and one so they were going to the bag of tricks so to speak what we were talking about and it's going to happen because because that's how we are is before we went on the air is we're going to have that weekly tail of the tape with Wentz and and Matt Ryan (laughs) we just are Mm mm-hmm you know, I, I was on uh, with a, with the podcast guy from Philly, and he said twenty seven seven, twenty seven seven. How do you guys? And and then you go in, you get behind about what was going on, but there's going to be this comparison, team wise and individual wise, just because of the way things have played out. It is going to be very interesting, and uh, let me tell you, because 
you you look at what the what the commanders have. They have some weapons that Carson can use for sure. Terry McLaurin, Indy Zone, Cathedral Zone. Terry oh, McLaurin. Would he look good here? He would look wow. good here, and he could have come here. He was a third round pick, I believe, in the Paris Campbell year. They uh, they took the other Ohio State wide receiver, who unfortunately has just been beaten up left and right by injuries. But you got Terry McLaurin, you got Jahan Dotson, uh, Joe's guy from uh, this past draft. You got uh, Logan Thomas, a tight end, if he can stay healthy. Got a decent offensive line, so. Uh, so yeah, I, I think I think it'll be interesting, like you said, the tail of the tape between uh, between Matt Ryan and, and Carson Wentz this year. Uh, the team Carson, uh, the Colts rather, also waived quarterback James Morgan. Not to be surprised, uh, not surprisingly, with uh, the signing of Nick Foles. So you have Ryan Foles, Ellinger, and then you have Jack Cohn, the undrafted rookie out of Notre Dame, who is uh, technically with the team right now. Though uh, for for him to make a final roster would be would be stunning. Since we're on quarterbacks, did I see Brett Henley sign with Baltimore? Joe, do you remember that? Did you uh, see that? I have not seen that. I'll look it up. Who but. was here and remember he came off the couch? Right. So, but in, uh, uh, in training camp, right? Just so to just, be a body. Right. Take snaps. With the Ravens. There you go. So there's there's a place for everybody. Good. Good for him. The Colts have also signed running back Tyson Williams. Started three games for those Ravens just last season after a couple injuries had really decimated their running back core. Uh, he had nine carries week one against the Raiders for 65 yards and a touchdown. That was his best game of the year. Um, he's only 25 years old, uh, and uh, the Colts also just signed running back Philip Lindsay last week. So, uh, if Williams sees a single carry for the Colts this year, I, I think that would be a bad thing. But he at least proved that in dire circumstances, he can go out there and and maybe give you one or two things. Well, Philip Lindsay, by the way, chap, speaking the other day, uh, my takeaway from Philip Lindsay is that Philip Lindsay likes to say Philip Lindsay. Uh, he referred to him in the third person twice, himself in the third person. Uh, but uh, but he's, again, a guy who has an undrafted rookie, made the Pro Bowl, gained 1,000 yards for Denver. And he, w- he definitely was not too, not too thrilled with his, uh, his um, I think, his um, offensive scheme that he played for a year before in he Miami. He sort of dissed Miami and Houston. Yes, he was very not uh, well-spoken of them. Right. Um, is saying, he said, well, basically, if you die, if you just run dive over and over, blah, 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 is what, what do you expect? And it was funny, you know, your question, we, we talked about this in the I should have, I, I could have phrased it better, <laughs> I suppose. It, it came out, it was just funny. It, it, he, like, it was a follow-up from you, and you're just like, so, so you don't think, it, it was basically, so you don't think you sucked? The last couple he, he years? Said, he said, I've had last year? V- good years and bad year or whatever it was. I said, so, you know, last year, that wasn't, you know, you're not that You're right. not, you're that, not bad. that guy. You're not that bad last right. year. Right. So it, it, it came out wrong, but th- this is, I, th- this is the position that's really structured very nicely. It, it really is. You've, you've got the league rushing champ. You've got Naheem Hines. And then behind those guys for the competition, you've got guys that have played. I would much rather have a Williams as little as he played last year, but he's played, as opposed to having three guys who played at Florida International or, or wherever. Yep. So this is really good. I mean, Lindsey, again, he's, he, it's not like he's, you know, eight years ago he had a 1,000-yard season. It's not been that long ago. So what's going to be interesting is which one of these guys – Helps on special teams. I was going to say, I was going to say that, like Joe and whoever it is behind Naheem Hines and Jonathan Taylor, because you know those two outside of Hines' returning kicks, which is big special teams role. Right. Like they're not going to be on like punt block. They're not going to be on. That's why Marlon return. Mack was inactive last year. Exactly. So they're going to need guys like Deion Jackson was a year ago, and he's Correct. still on the roster right now to be 
good special teams contributors. And that, you know, he's going to compete for that third running back job, and yep. that might give him, you know, a slight leg up. Is I, I don't know how much the other guys have been working on special teams, and Deion Jackson certainly has. So that will can kind of play into the decision coaches have to make. The Colts, uh, speaking at OTAs this week, uh, they are now on OTAs, which is the next phase. I think it's phase three of the uh, the NFL's offseason program. You get a lot more on-the-field work. You can do seven-on-seven. Seven. You can do f- some full-speed stuff. I think contact is still frowned upon, or at least like full contact tackle. Yeah, it's not allowed. There you go. So, no. so greatly frowned upon, right. yes, <laughs> in fact. So no, nobody's wearing uh, shoulder pads or yep. anything. They are, they're all just out there but, wearing but they're, but they're playing football. Yes, it is a little bit of football. It is some seven-on-seven. Seven. Joe, are you uh, looking at your phone with something to say? Never mind. Okay, nope. I thought, I thought no, there I'm might good. be some breaking news because you're like you're leaning into your your mic for a second. Well, I was just gonna phone. joke, so you can't. No one can just like lay out Matt Ryan right now. No, it's no not. one's gonna lay out. Matt Ryan right now. <laughs> if that happened anyway, it's funny. Back in the Manning years, they, you know, even back then, quarterbacks wore the red or orange jerseys. Right, he hated it. Yeah, because and, and most most times he wouldn't wear them. And then, but but when they scrimmaged teams, he had to wear them. But he he hated to be singled out. Like, you know, nothing gonna hit you anyway. Mm-hmm. But uh, nowadays, it's every, you go out there, and, and even even out there, these guys are wearing the red jerseys during practice. I was going to say, though, if some eager beaver, a sixth-round defensive end pick, got within a, a, a yard of Peyton Manning back he, in the he's day. He's gone. <laughs> yeah. Goodbye. John Tierlink, I think, would have something to say, or, or more than one thing to say right. to, to that young man. But anyway, um, the, money, the, the biggest storyline coming out of Colts OTAs this week is the fact that Kenny Moore is not participating in practice. Uh, he is there. He is on the sidelines. He is with the team. He is doing things behind the scenes. But he is not, uh, at least in at least from what we were able to watch. And I doubt we're, he we're is at all. We're talking one practice. But, yes. But why would you expect yesterday or the two days ago or today to be different? Right. Uh, he is not participating in practice because he is seeking a new contract. Kenny Moore is a Pro Bowl slot corner. He signed a four-year extension back in June of 2019. Uh, for $33 million, that made him the highest-paid slot corner in the NFL. So that was three years ago. He has two years left on that four-year extension. He is scheduled to make $6.7 million this year, $7.5 million next year. That's according to Over the Cap or Spot Rack or, uh, or, or, or all of them. So, guys, your take on Kenny Moore. I'm going to leave this open-ended because, I, obviously, um, contract disputes can can be testy at times. But the fact that Kenny's there, first of all, and not just not in the building at all, is at least a good sign that things aren't as testy as they have been with some other cases that we have seen in the NFL in the past. Yeah, this is this is sort of, at least for the Colts, it's unique. You know, in players with two years left, I mean, it's hard to remember it when a player had two years left on a contract getting a new deal. It's just tough. And what's odd about this is they they paid him the extension before he became who he is. Right. So they showed faith. It was four years. It was $18 million guaranteed, which, I mean, he even said at the time, sweet. I didn't see it coming. It was sweet. And so they, it's really strange. They overpay early, and now he's outplayed the contract. Well, who's, you know, then, then I guess in hindsight, don't sign a four-year extension. Sign a three-year extension or, mm-hmm. or whatever. But you try – if I'm a player, I'm all for players getting what you can and get it up front because as soon as the team doesn't want you, you're gone. That, that, that's the loyalty aspect of it. So it, it's 
I've seen a couple of people write about it, and they're spot on. This is really going to be a, a, a situation on how the Colts handle it. This is a player that you have talked about endlessly how important he is to you, on the field, off the field, and you paid him, overpaid him at the time, and now you know he's I think the top t- the top twenty corners earn ten million a year average, and what I think his is like eight eight and change or whatever mm-hmm. it is. So I I really don't think the team budgets on this. I really don't. The next the next you know milestone or or, or thing to look at is the June seventh and ninth mandatory minicamp. Right. That's you know that's not show up and, and watch it. It's participate. So how far is Kenny just trying to to, to point out his displeasure, or will he take it to where he's actually because this is like Frank said this is voluntary. Mm-hmm. But when if he takes to where he misses mandatory things, then where does the, does the team go? Yeah, Joe, you were pointing out as we were discussing the rundown here that uh, although Kenny Moore did become the highest paid slot corner with this contract a few years ago, a couple guys who've never even played a down in the NFL are going to be uh, just as highly paid as he is this coming year. Yeah, rookies, incoming rookies, Singletary with Houston and then Sauce Gardner with the Jets are um, set to make slightly more than – Kenny on a average per year basis, their four year contracts with the um, Texans and Jets are eight and some change as well, but it was a little more than Kenny. But when you kind of put it in that context and see that Kenny Moore is the 27th highest paid cornerback based on that average per year basis, um, I, I do deserve, he think he deserves to get paid a little bit more, maybe give him a little bit of a pay raise, nine, $10 million a year, something mm-hmm. like that. Maybe add some incentives to his contract so that he has a chance to get paid a little bit more. Because I do agree that Kenny Moore, a player who is very valuable to this Colts defense, to the community, I mean, you couldn't ask for more on and off the field out of a player at his position, deserves a little bit more than six, $7 million a year. The issue is his position. If he was an outside corner that lined up against the other team's best receiver down after down, you know, he, he'd be in the conversation of $20 million a year. The highest paid cornerback, Jair Alexander, this offseason signed for $21 million per year average. Um, I don't think Kenny Moore is going to get anywhere close to that no. because he doesn't do what Jair Alexander does. But Kenny Moore is unquestionably, if not the best, one of the best slot corners in the NFL. And I do think that $6 million a year is a little bit underpaid for what he you know provides to the team I think it's going to be interesting to see exactly what he does provide to the team this year because it is a new scheme now it's not the exact same thing although it's close to what Matt Eberflus ran and we've heard as Chap said for years about the importance of Kenny Moore to their system it's the three technique it's the will linebacker it's the slot corner those three positions to Matt Eberflus's specific defense um the uh the Rod Marinelli the 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 cover two um, are crucial uh, to to what to what they do to what they want to get done on a game to game or even a play to play basis. This is a new defensive sch- scheme. It just is with Gus Bradley in charge. As much as you can talk about similarities, there are going to be some stark differences, and you might not be able to see it if you're just a casual fan watching from the stands. But you can bet that they're going to be attacked differently. You can bet the players are going to have different roles. And so it, so as much as Kenny Moore has been important, Chap, to the past couple years of what the Colts have done, I don't know if he's going to have the same level of importance in the new scheme. I think he's a great player. He's a Pro Bowl 
caliber corner. Like he proved it last year. He got in the spotlight more. He was one of the featured players on Hard Knocks. He was the Colts' man, Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee. We know what he does in this community and also what he does on the field. But if you're talking about where you want to invest big, big money, I don't know if Gus Bradley's scheme is the same as a Matt Eberflus scheme that you would really want to give your slot corner, make him an overpaid interior corner, basically, which is, as you said, what the Colts did a couple years ago for Kenny Moore. They made him overpaid, and then he overperformed his overpaid contract. So I, to, to ask for an, an extension or, or a raise right now, is it, it seems unlikely in that aspect. Now, the Colts could completely disagree with me. They could say, you know what, Gus Bradley's scheme, we, we figure that he can be just as effective as he has been in the past under under Matt Eberflus. He's going to be just as important. So maybe it would be, do good for us to lock him in for another two-year extension on top of these two years that he has now. But, um, but at the same time, I, I can't imagine that um, that that I I just don't think it's likely, like you said earlier, it, it, and it's certainly not common for a player to have two years left on his deal to get a new deal uh, at, at that point. One one thing on his role, I I just the really really good coordinators. I just, I always go back to Tom Moore. You don't get so hung up on your scheme that you don't use the players that you have. So they're gonna they're they're gonna find a way to maximize Kenny Moore. And, and one thing that I'm sure rubs him a little bit, although it's kind of crazy, it was great to be called the highest-paid nickel corner. Mm-hmm. It's a great – well, sometimes when you're just oh, – he's a nickel corner. Well, he played 97% of the, sna- the snaps last year. He's played 90% or more in three of the last four years. He's seldom – and there were times when they had injuries at corner that he's outside. Now, he's not as, as effective outside – so I, I think they will find ways to maximize him. But I come back to the fact that he's got two years to go, and they he, he got paid early. And the problem is I don't think getting paid early, getting overpaid early balances being underpaid now because you know he, he needs more money. But maybe can, can, do, do you guarantee the last two years? Is that enough? At least, at least you know you're going to get yeah. whatever fourteen, fifteen million dollars. Uh, I, I I will be surprised if there's a major change in this year's contract, and I'll be surprised if this goes to DefCon one to where he starts missing time in camp. I just I just would be surprised. And, and for the record, I love Kenny. I, I was just trying to present kind of the other side right. of the oh, argument, no the Colts side. I I love Kenny Moore and what he does for for the Colts defense or what he has done in the past. And and you're right that if you have a player. Like of that caliber, Gus Bradley should a find a spot for him, and b he's on the field so much anyway because teams will go out with their you're, three wide you're receiver in three sets. Corner yeah. air, so yeah, much all anyway. the time. So he's going to be out there. He's he is a starter, even though he's not technically in the. He started you know, seventeen four, games three, last year. Yeah, exactly. He, he he is your starter out there. So, uh, so it's very. <clears throat> I was trying to think of the last time they had a holdout, and I can't. This isn't a holdout, right? Not this isn't yet. a holdout. <clears throat> I can't think of who the last guy was. Uh, I, I go back to the Manning years before that. You know, Ray Buchanan missed some time, and Tony Saragusa, and but I just can't. Darius think. Leonard set out last year until he was finally uh, paid. It's amazing how that how that extension, how that ankle 
Oh, it was all better. Healthy. Was it a day or two after that? All better. And we'll, and that's 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 a good transition. It is, in, so, in fact. So, so go ahead and transition to Darius Leonard. Because Darius Leonard is not participating right now either out of Colts headquarters because of his ankle injury. Precautionary. That's what Frank Reich says. What else did he say? What else did he say? I'm a little, I was a little surprised he wasn't out there. There you go. I don't know, chap. Like, my ears perked up. If, if he was surprised that he wasn't out there, I don't because Darius told us just a couple weeks ago my ankle's still attached, and that's like to, to me that's a sign that things are not good. Things are not all well and good with Darius. So we're Leonard. working on it. Yeah, like it. it, it I, I understand in some aspects why Frank is surprised that he's not out there because it's been four months or whatever since the start. Well, it means to me that he expected him out there from all the meetings they had yeah. going into practice. Then all of a sudden, not. So, I mean, if if it was just me and I just listened to Darius Leonard, which is which is, I guess the the information I have, Frank, you would think have is a lot more with those meetings that you mentioned. The the only information I had was what Darius told us a couple weeks ago, like I said, and. That did not make his ankle sound good. And no, the situation I, I, good. I walked away concerned. Yeah. Because of all last year. Exactly. And, and he was not well and good last year, even though he had another all-pro caliber season and forced however many fumbles he did, 8, 10, I forget exactly how many. Four state fumbles yep. and, and all, all that. Yeah, well, and he, sometimes he gets, he gets playful. That's attached. Okay, well, you know. That could be it, too. So yeah. is your arm, so is your, you know, well, yeah. whatever. But to, to ha- and then build on that, this, and again, we don't know. I think they practice. I think the OTAs are three days a week. I don't think it's four because you get like ten OTA days, including mm-hmm. minicamp. So was he out there Tuesday? Is he out there today? I, I don't know. We don't know that. Uh, I think maybe we'll get an update next week when we talk again on Wednesday. But it's just, it's just. I hate to say the word optics because optics can really mess with you. Mm-hmm. But it just it, nothing that it, that they said from him, and then not missing with him missing practice. How are you encouraged by that? And you, you, you just start thinking, you, because of last year, of the worst-case scenario. Okay, they get done with the OTAs, and he has surgery in June. And then they're back to where they were last year. Remember when he, he goes to camp and, and he doesn't practice until the extension. So it, it's seldom good when a player is not participating in low-impact, seven-on-seven you know, it's it's high speed when you, when mm-hmm. you're playing in this. But but when he's not out there, that it's not like Taekwon Lewis. It's not like you know uh, Dev or uh, Blackman, who's recovering. This is something where you would think this far removed from the season, the ankle would allow him to practice, and and we don't know. Julian Blackman, by the way, kind of walked past all of us in the media just the other day as he's going over to the corner of the uh, the indoor facility to to work on his rehab and was was yapping it up a little bit. It was like, oh, hey, 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 hey. So it's the same old Julian Blackman, uh, very uh, in great spirits, it seemed like. And he looked, he looked fine over there. He, Frank said he's ahead of schedule. Yep. Whatever, whatever that means. Yeah, exactly. But, but for a guy who has a torn Achilles and a torn ACL over the, the first couple of years of his career, it, it is certainly a little scary. Right. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, when he's been on the field, especially his rookie year, he just had a couple of those game-changing plays late. Bengals and another one. Winning plays. Right. So you, you hope to see him back on the field and, and, and taking steps uh, forward in his career soon, for sure. 
Um, in addition to Frank Reich, who we've heard, uh, spoken a little bit about, and Nick Foles and Philip Lindsay, uh, Michael Pittman Jr. also spoke with the media this week. Uh, my my uh, What stuck out to me, Chap, about him is uh, listening to him talk about being kind of wide receiver one is that uh, that expression. And we've had that we had the discussion for for years on T.Y. Hilton. Is right. he a wide receiver one? Blah, blah, blah. And uh, and Pitt uh, astutely points out that there are just so many different variables of what people or different teams want uh, from a wide receiver one. What how what exactly is that defined by? But uh, but but he wants to be all of it, and and he's talking league wide, yes, not, not not on your team. He's he's, he's talking perception league wide, right? And, and so somebody per- perked up from the audience here. So that means two thousand yards, right? And he he kind of gave that a little bit because he said chuckle. his goal last year was to double what he did as a rookie, right? Which he did, and he did, which he did. But uh, yeah, that would be that would certainly be doubling. Uh, his he, then he he did uh, point out that Cooper Cup had a great season and didn't hit 2000. Didn't quite make it there, but uh, still to win the triple crown as a wide receiver is pretty darn good. Joe Michael Pittman Jr. high expectations here for year 3 here with the Colts. Yeah, I mean, he he's talking about he's like the elder of the Colts room right now and he is because year 3. Year 3, everyone else on the team is entering year 2 or rookie. Um <laughs> he's certainly the most established. I think Michael Pittman Jr. will take another step forward this year and really He has to. A he has to <laughs> and B I, I think he's ready for it. He just seems like a guy who kind of gets it in terms of the amount of work that you need to put in. He has the talent, he has the size. I think he will establish himself at, at least of my definition as a number 1 receiver. I know everybody kind of defines that differently. But um, I think a number one wide receiver is someone that you can count on week after week and that the other defense has to game plan for. Mm-hmm. And I think that will be Michael Pittman Jr. He, he had a really, really good year last year. As you said, Chap, doubling his his rookie year production. Uh, and that was a great goal to have, and he, he accomplished it. I, I can pick out one game that was just not good last year, and that was the Tampa Bay game. Other than that, like everything I thought that every game he was he showed up, he caught balls that were thrown to him, and he got separation. When he didn't get separation, he, he out-muscled uh, other guys for balls. So I, I think that the Colts are, are thrilled with his development in year two. But, but, but like, like we've said, now, now you expect him, especially with the roster the way it is, with no T.Y. Hilton there, with uh, no one else uh, that they brought in from the offseason. The target is on guy. his back. Exactly. He, he is now the guy. And that, that, that's something else than, than it is just uh, going into a game where the target's not on your back. You, you have to bear that responsibility, and, and you hope that he has the maturity to do that. And that's why it, it will beat this to, to death. How, how will the supporting cast take the load off of him? And that's, let's just take T.Y. And then in the turn, next. take the, ro- the, the load off of Matt Ryan. To no just question. Force to one and person. that's one thing that they were saying, you know, they're, they're going to get where it's not going to be Matt Ryan's not going to force the ball anywhere. It's going to go where it goes. But the, it, the, there, there are wild cards that have to come through. Paris Campbell. I mean, he looks good out there. He does. But he's looked good before. He always has, and, yeah. Then, and then we were talking. It's not like this guy has soft tissue is, issues. Where oh here we go again another hamstring no it's a break it, it's and I don't know how you prepare in the off season to avoid the injuries he's had how do you how do you prepare for Harrison Smith to hit you helmet and knee on your or helmet and shoulder pads on your knee so but he's a wild card Alec Pierce is a wild card I mean mm-hmm. how much do you get from a rookie and then the other guys Doolin and and and, and even Kiki Kute so. I'm concerned about receiver just because. I mean, remember we talked to Reggie Wayne a couple weeks ago. He said, ah, 
speak. I'm not. I'm speaking for them. You know how how they feel disrespected. But I'm sorry, but they I, as as I said, they are right. given. They've been given their due level of respect right now, right? Because which they, is not because much. they've not done exactly. it yet. I mean, that's not disrespected. No. We're just it's the numbers. When Ashton Newland is your second leading returning receiver with like 13 catches, so hey, I, I hope they come through. But it's going to put a big load on Michael Pittman to be the guy, because it's not like he's 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 definitely a one, and then you've got a solid two next to him. You know, Paris Campbell can be a, can be a great weapon, and Alec Pierce, but you just don't know. So the Colts have lost quite a bit of players and quite a bit of leaders over the past couple of years. Um, so uh, so we're going to discuss some of the roster turnover that that has happened uh, recently. Um, especially this past offseason, this is a good transition, talking about the pass catchers. You lose T.Y. Hilton, you lose Jack Doyle. So those are two guys, even though they were in the twilight of their careers, you could still count on them to, to fulfill the roles that they had. Especially Doyle. Yeah, absolutely. Zach Pascal. Zach Pascal as well. Zach did not have the best year last year. But anyway, but right. he was a guy that, that for a while was kind of a veteran of the group and established himself as a guy who, who was reliable over the years even though there was a bit of a step back. So, so guys like though, them um, are, are part of the nine starters that the Colts lost this, uh, this offseason. And, and in a league where there, you have 22 starters, that's basically half of the team, their starting unit from last year, that's gone. It's quarterback Carson Wentz. Uh, two on the offensive line is in Eric Fisher at left tackle, Mark Lewinsky at right guard. Uh, you could put Chris Reed in there, too. And, yeah, he was, he was a half starter as well. T.Y. Right. Hilton, Zach Paschal. Uh, in there, Jack Doyle, we mentioned. On defense, Al-Kadeen Muhammad as a defensive end, and then the, both of your starting corners on the outside in Rocky Seen and Xavier Rhodes. Um, so so that's the... Although none of them are uh, were Pro Bowl players a year ago or all pro guys by any stretch, um, they, they all uh, played important roles to the success um, or to the, the production of, of both sides of the ball. Um, and, and Joe points out here in our rundown to illustrate just how quickly rosters change. There are only six full-time starters on this team from 2019, just three years ago, and only 18 players remain overall. The starters here, uh, three of them, three of those six are on the offensive line. They are Quentin Nelson, Ryan Kelly, and Braden Smith. The other three players are Darius Leonard, Kenny Moore, two of those three most important positions that we've talked about on uh, on in the Matt Eberflus defensive scheme and also defensive tackle Grover Stewart uh, is still there. Um, that, that is, that's a lot the changes and, and chap, we see this, uh, this is, this is not irregular. I don't think in the NFL, um, but especially when you, when you start switching up um, offensive, when you start switching up some of the coaching staff, whether it's your offense coordinator or defensive coordinator, guys come in, and especially if you bring him in from outside, like has happened with Gus Bradley, probably less so if it's production or, or rather promotion from within, if Marcus Brady takes over the role in offense. But uh, the guys have have players, and the, the, just the example that comes to mind is Brandon Faison, who, who've been in their system in the past. And so Gus Bradley says, hey, this this corner knows what I have to do, what I want to do, in so you bring in him Gok- in and, and in Gakwe as well. Right. So so this is this is like I said, it's not abnormal, but it just goes to show you just how, how much how much has changed even in just r- recent years with this Colts roster and the starting unit in particular. Yeah, I think the two the two longest tenured Colts go back to 2017, I think it is. Wasn't that Ryan Kelly's year? 2017? Yeah, it was because 17 was so it was, it was he and, and Luke Rhodes. Yeah. So it, but but that that's that's natural. 
And I think what you see during this turnover period is it, it, it defines who they consider their cornerstone players. It's probably, what, 12 or 15 players that you think, okay, these guys, they're part of what we're doing here. And, uh, and, and then what's important is bringing in the right guys around them. That's what struck us with the, what was it, two dozen guys they had free agents in the offseason. And like you said, there were none of them where you thought, man, we've got we've to re- re-sign this guy. There weren't any of those, but, boy, there were a lot of guys that were pretty good players. And when you don't re-sign them, you've got to replace them. And I think, by and large, at least it looks like they've done a pretty good job with that. You know, We'll see how losing the offensive linemen work because th- th- there's, some question- there's some questions on the offensive line. There just is. But the turnover, it's what it is. And, and again, the guys that are here from, from the early years, it just shows you that they've, they've, they've shown themselves to be, I, I guess, core players, cornerstone players, or they wouldn't be here. How about Grover Stewart on this list, by the way? Just a, what was he, a fifth-round pick or a four, late fourth-round pick back in the day? Fifth I think rounder, he was a fifth-rounder. Yeah. And like he, he's got himself a second contract, which certainly doesn't always happen. A guy out of a small school. I think it was an HBCU school. And, he, and he's crucial, especially Albany to the run State. defense. Yes, Albany State. That's right. Go um, go Albany State. I, I don't even, I, I was going to say, if it was Valdosta State for Kenny Moore. They, they both played in the golf, uh, the, the uh, oh, what's it called? I used to work there for crying out loud, uh, but the conference down there, uh, I forget it. Anyway. Uh, but, Albany, Albany State Golden Rams. Golden Rams, okay. But the, the, the conference they played in down there was the same one, so they probably met a couple times there on the field. The Southern Intercollegiate yeah, Athletic it's, Conference. It's a different one now, but, oh. but I, I, there it, it was a, like a Gulf Coast or Gulf Shores Athletic. I forget what it was. Anyway, um, but uh, the, the, the rest of that's let's continue this discussion. The, the rest of the 18 players remaining uh, from 2019, we had those six starters, and uh, on defense, you also still have Bobby Okereke, uh, Zaire Franklin, who's as close just to resigned. Sta- yeah, as st- close to a starter as you can get, especially with his role that he has on special teams. Uh, and EJ Speed, uh, Kari Willis is a starter. Um, uh, ben Banigou, uh, who is who very much is in jeopardy of missing uh, of not earning his spot on the team this year, I think. And then cornerback Marvel. Probably, probably no player is more excited about a new defense than yeah, him. Because yeah, at least it gives him a chance. And he fits that Leo. That's what I'm saying. It just gives him a chance. Uh, and then on offense, you have Naheem Hines, Mo Alley-Cox, Paris Campbell, Ashton Doolin. Uh, on special teams, both your guys, Rigo Sanchez, Luke Rhodes there, and the uh, punter-long uh, snapper combination. Yeah, Okereke and Willis were kind of like, I almost put them on the list as 2019 starters, but they had like eight, nine starts. I didn't mm-hmm. quite. They weren't full-time right. to me, but they were close because they played a lot as rookies. Um, and, you know, that kind of leads us into our next conversation of they're entering contract years this year. So the, the top player entering a contact tra- uh, contract year is obviously Quentin Nelson. And Chris Boward has adamantly said he is going to be a Colt. But it's just a matter of how much. Uh, Jim Urs- of Jim Ursay's money he is going to get from Chris Ballard. And it's going to be a massive number. Um, Chap, I assume this is something that has been in discussion this offseason because this is the last year of his contract. This is a time that you sometimes see guys like this get the extension, at least right now through training camp sometime. That's when Kenny Moore's contract was, I think, right around the beginning of training camp. Or was in, it? June, it was in June, I think. Okay, maybe that was We, we were talking, I think they, it was a, they had like his extension – they extended Luke Rhodes. They yeah. extended uh, Sanchez. Mm-hmm. 
but they, they got the other guys done in training camp. Right. Uh, so it, it's they've made it very clear that that they value what he brings as much on the field as off or as much off the field as on the field. That's always hard to quantify yeah. the leadership and all that. But they, I'm telling you, you talk to Jim Ursa, you talk to Chris Ballard, and there's no wavering. It's, Even though it, he's just a guard. It, 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 that's, the, <laughs> that's the fascinating argument. Now, debate is there are prime positions. There just are. Quarterback, left tackle, you know, edge pass rusher, and in this defense, the you know, Darius Leonard. And I, I, I guess I'm jaded from the time – in the in the two thousands with Peyton, when Howard Mudd, it, it was you build outside in. It was give, give me the two tackles, Tariq Glenn and and Adam Meadows, and then Ryan Deem, and give me the center, which they they hit on Jeff Saturday. Right. Come, they hit on him. He, he he was selling stuff in a, an electronic store. If they knew, he wouldn't have been an undrafted Correct. free agent. Yeah. Correct. Who was cut by whoever it was the Ravens? Uh, but they had the tackles, and then at, at the risk of, of dissing guards everywhere, they just found guards. They just did. Ryan Lilja off, off waivers from KC, and they got they drafted Jake Scott, who was a really really good player. But they just found guards because you got the the tackles. Well, in this case, you you draft the the guard sixth overall, was it? Yes, yeah, sixth, and you hit on him. He he he's a perennial first team All Pro. I think he was second team All Pro last year, wasn't he? Because of the it was a down year so, with yeah. the injuries. But it's going to be interesting to see what their grunt level is because it's going to it's going to you know, what start at twenty million I, I don't know and, and he's going to get it and, and we'll see but it, but it's it's they're going to be paying prime money to a non prime position and he's that outlier that that's going to demand it and get it and, and in that context if you're looking for prime positions that that could see a big payday this offseason matt Pryor could be one of them too because he's going to be probably your starting left tackle unless bernard raymond beats him out which is certainly not out of the realm of possibility it's a third round pick but if, if it, again if the colts thought that raymond was certainly going to beat out matt Pryor, they would have taken him they would have traded up in the first round to get him like they took him in the third round because they know that there are uh, insufficiencies with his game right now, and he needs to be. He needs work. Uh, not that Pryor doesn't need work, but he's the guy that you expect to be your starting left tackle week one. And, and Joe, just like Chap was saying there, like that's a prime position. So if Matt Pryor goes out and proves that he is a starting left tackle in he the NFL, he plays well for seventeen games. He's going to earn starting left tackle money, whether it's from the Colts or elsewhere, and that could be between sixteen and twenty-five million dollars a year. Yeah, yeah, I. He certainly, I would say, has some of the most to gain this season in his contract here. Finally gets the opportunity to start full-time left tackle. And if he gets it, he's looking at that kind of money. I'll just say roughly 10 to 15 um, at least for a starting left tackle in the NFL. You know, I think the Colts, back of their mind, are kind of hoping that Raymond is what they think he could be so that they can have a left tackle on a rookie contract while you're paying your left guard uh, Buku Bucks out there, and your right tackle, and your center. Buku, Buku, but um, but yeah, they certainly have some interesting decisions to make. And the conversation about Quentin Nelson sounds similar to me to the conversation about Kenny Moore. You're a terrific player, but your position is but not. You're, but you're but you're a nickel corner. You, mm-hmm. he, he's going to inside. He's going to get the point. He's going to hate that tag. Yep. He is. I, I'm gonna. I forgot to say one thing about Kenny Moore. So, so I'm gonna throw it in here right now. Um, 
and, and, and correct me if, I, if you know I'm wrong, but I, I think this is how it works. Like, I know Kenny has changed agents um, recently, uh, over the past couple years, and it was his prior agent who negotiated his last contract. So his new agent does not get any money on his old contract. I'm pretty sure it's his, it's his old agent. Who the old still agent gets the, Yeah, right. he, he's the one who negotiated the contract. So, so this, this new agent came along last year, this year, the next year. That's three years that this new agent is not getting paid any money. So I, I, I'm not saying that this new agent is telling him to sit out by any stretch. I'm just saying it's a very interesting way to look at this because everything comes back to money. It does in the NFL. And, and for, for a guy to have someone like Kenny Moore to sign on with him, like you want to, you want to profit off that. And there are ways that he has in other ways, but like your, your main chunk there as, as an agent is, is off that contract, the big contract with the team. So right now his agent is not making any money off Kenny Moore between his contract with the Colts. So he's investing in the future. He is. He absolutely is. And, and and when he signed, when Kenny signed with him, you, you know that you hear that, but, but I can't imagine that, um, I can't imagine that he his agent would be upset with him sitting out. We'll, we'll just put it that way. Well, he, now, he, the agent has is more incentivized to get a deal done than Kenny, really, because Kenny, Kenny's going to get paid. Yes. Kenny's going to get his. Yes. I mean, it's not as much as he wants. So, yeah, it, it, it's, it's an interesting dynamic. But at the, at the end of the day, it, the, the player needs to be the guy who drives the train. Mm-hmm. He's got to, And there have been times in the past where we've had players say, yeah, I told, you know, I told I told my guy that this is what we're doing. Yeah. So you you can't. Yes, you let your agent handle things, but mm-hmm. you have to have control of the situation. Mm-hmm. Joe, do you have anything? To I add was going to say, and to be fair, I mean, the agent's job is to get their client as much money as exactly. possible. So if he thinks, you know, having him sit out or whatever is going to get him point. more money, yeah. Then I, that's what he's got to do. As he doesn't just, care about the Colts winning. Right. He cares about his guy getting paid. As we've discussed earlier, that there it's it's not just completely willy nilly that he's doing this. He he has at least an argument. He has a point to to what he's What's doing. What's going to be interesting, now, interesting sure. is how far does he take right. his point? Is, yes. is, is is this him showing his displeasure, mm-hmm. or does he think he needs to take it further, which is actually. Missing time. Anyway, he's not even a guy who's on this list. The <laughs> right. players in their front. I mean, he just came we all, up. We all come back to Kenny Moore. Exactly. But uh, but a couple of wide receivers entering the last year of their deal: Paris Campbell and Ashton Doolin. Uh, Doolin's a guy who's very much to me in the uh, in the Zach Pascal role right now. Came up in special teams and is carving out a place for himself uh, on the offense uh, offensive side of the ball. There is a place for a longtime special teamer. Yes, you can be a core special teamer. Mm-hmm. Especially a, if you can contribute on offense, too. Right, be a right. deep threat. So, be, be the fifth or sixth receiver. Mm-hmm. So Ashton Doolin is certainly, I, I think, very valuable to the Colts. Uh, Paris Campbell, we, we've we've gone back and forth. Not really even gone back and forth. We've just described his situation for what it is, uh, th- that he has to perform and he has to stay healthy. And that, that comes first, staying healthy. And it's been he's had unfortunate scenarios uh, and... And he just he just can't he just can't miss significant time like he has. It sounds terrible in the NFL, but he can't get hurt. Yeah, he's used up all of his hurts. He used up all of his sick days. So. <laughs> yeah, Philip <laughs> Philip Lindsay uh, is a uh, in the, just a one year contract for him. Uh, Rodrigo Blankenship, Joe, your boy, uh, Hot Rod, uh, one more year in his deal. And uh, after last, that's year... that's going to be interesting. Yes. Uh, it, Yes, <laughs> that he's definitely under fire. It's encouraging they didn't bring back Badgley, uh huh, um, because it means they at least you know didn't think that Badgley took the job from him. They, they like Jake Verite. 
Do they? They like Jake Verde. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Let's see. Drama. Let's see. If if he's better than Hot Rod, bring him in. We'll we'll find a nice nickname for him. Notable defensive players for one more year in their contract. Yannick Ngakwe just came in on a one-year deal with the Colts. Uh, Tyquan Lewis, who's coming off his injury last year. Um, ben Banigou, who we mentioned earlier. Bobby Okereke and EJ Speed. They're at linebacker. Uh, safeties, Kari Willis, Rodney McLeod, and cornerback uh, Brandon Faison. So out, out of all those guys on the defensive side of the ball, uh, you look at Kari uh, Willis sticks out to me because like he, he's in a really unique situation because he was a guy that Chris Ballard traded up to get because he really liked him. But then Chris Ballard just traded up significantly to get, to get Nick, Nick Cross. More, more so. Like significantly <laughs> to get Nick Cross in this draft. So I I think Carr really has a lot to prove if he wants to be a Colt next year. He could have a good year and not get resigned. Yes, he could. See, that's that's the problem. When, when it comes to your second contract, again, there are certain positions. They didn't resign Anthony Walker. Who was a very good who player. Who was a very good here. player. Yeah. And Bobby O'Karake is probably a better player. But when you've got so much sunk into one linebacker, how, you know, how much will you a lot? And a lot of it is how do we budget? You know, let's say Ngakwe goes out and gets you 14 sacks. Are you going to pay, uh, what, $15, $16 million to bring him back? That would be a great problem to have, it but it would still it be would, a problem. Exactly. <laughs> but, but and I tell you, guys that you pull for besides Paris Campbell, Tyquan Lewis, I tell you, he was coming on, and he was he was being a factor. And if you want to talk about, we we we've talked about this briefly. If one play sort of turned the season, sort of it, that's dramatic. But his interception, run back, torn patella, fumble, and then Xavier Rhodes, god awful tackle attempt on uh, tackle attempt in quotations. Holy smokes. And it went from 14-0 to, to, to 14-7 and then, you know, so. But I, I like Ty Kronos. I do. He's go, He's been through things. And hopefully he comes back this year and is that in that rotation because this defensive line has a chance to be pretty good. EJ Speed is a guy that Joe loves. Um, if he gets a second contract, it's certainly not going to be an expensive second contract because you've been, invested some money in Zaire Franklin to be kind of your core special teams guy. And EJ is a great special teamer. I mean, he blocked a kick last year, if not two kicks. I know he blocked at least one, but uh, he, he he has tremendous value uh, in that on that side of the ball. And we know that uh, special teams coordinator Bubba Ventrone gets a little bit of say on the roster and gets to pick some players that he wants. Um, I don't know exactly the the quote unquote budget he might have from Chris Ballard, but. Uh, but Joe, if, if if Bubba gets his way, I'm sure EJ would be back. Well, and he had double digit tackles in the game that Darius Leonard missed. Yes, I believe he did. that was the Cardinals game. Yeah. So if he can, he was a guy that they drafted as just a terrific athlete at a small school in Texas. And if Tarleton he, State, that's right. And if he continues to develop, he may be the Okereke replacement because I highly doubt that the Colts are going to shell out big money to Okereke, who is a very good linebacker when they're already paying Darius Leonard so much. Yeah, you look at that, Mike, and you, you figure when, when guys like Okereke hit the free agent market, how much do the Colts value him? How much do other teams value him? And another team might put a little bit more value on him. They can pay a linebacker a little bit more than the Colts would want to do, given the people that they are paying their big bucks to. I would say there's a better chance EJ Speed returns. Mm-hmm. with uh, w- What was uh, 
Zaire Franklin's contract, three years. It's like 12, three years, twelve million. Twelve million. Because it was like, yeah, it was, I think it was four million. And I think what's important for players, and it's really hard, is to 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 know how you fit, where you fit, where where are you in the food chain? And Zaire Franklin did. Uh, I can't remember when we talked to him whether he got offers elsewhere, but understand how you fit and where you fit, and you may not, you're not going to get the monster money, but three years, twelve million. Pretty good, and and Bobby can come in next year, and if he has a Pro Bowl caliber season, I think there's no way the Colts resign him because they've invested so much in Darius Leonard in that position. But if he if he has an okay season, okay to good, maybe a couple takeaways here and there, working up on eighty to ninety tackles, then that puts you it just puts you in an awkward situation, and those are the things, Joe, that Chris Ballard really has to decide at the end of the year where he really wants to invest his money. It makes it tougher on him, it but does. that's what he gets paid the big bucks for. I mean. I just I like Okereke. I think he's a very good player. He's got speed. He not no a, EJ Speed has speed. EJ Speed EJ also speed. has speed. Oh, but oh, he has speed too. He's Here's a me shutting up. Sh- I'm sorry, <laughs> Dave. Shut up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, he, he's just a player. He doesn't do it as consistently as Darius Leonard with the turnovers and the game changing plays. But he does seem to do it a little bit more than Walker did during his time with the Colts. Um, so I do think Okereke will make it harder for Chris Ballard to make that decision, but I, I just can't see them bringing him back. And I kind of feel similar about Kari Willis. I think they just drafted his replacement this year. And as a guy who doesn't make the game-changing plays, they're very good. They do their jobs very well. They make tackles. They're reliable. But they don't make the game-changing plays that necessitates shelling out big contracts. And Willis has been – he's had some injury issues. He yep. has. Yeah, that has. too. So. The, the, the thing is, it, with like an Okereke, I think he's the kind of guy, depending on the season he has, obviously, that you make an attempt to re-sign him, but it will be at your number. Yeah. And a lot of the – you know, a few times they, they've, they've nudged from their number, T.Y. Hilton, last year. But you, you offer him what you offer him, and, and if he thinks he can get more, fine. I don't know that there's more value for EJ Speed, knowing what we know now, on the market than there is here. So he's the kind of guy I think you, you bring back if it fits, not just to be a special team player, because you got you got to play defense too. But and Zaire Franklin has turned into a, pre, a pretty decent linebacker. So, but it's it's interesting that there there's some good names on this list, but none that you say, boy, outside of Quentin, obviously that. We got to get this guy resigned. And maybe Yannick. I think Yannick is close to yeah. that level. We'll see. Y- yes, he's. What is it? The one knock is it five teams in five years? No, Some, it's. It? Uh, it was like three teams over a one year span because it was with the Jaguars for like four years, and then he got traded to, I want to say Minnesota, and that lasted like five seconds, and then they traded him to Baltimore within that same season, and then that. Other year he went to Oakland. So, so three teams in two years over the last two years is kind of what it is. Four if you count, uh, you not count Oakland, Las Vegas, Jacksonville, okay, so Minnesota, Baltimore, okay. and then he kind of found the home with Vegas. But it was like that one year where he yeah. changed teams. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like everyone kept trying to get rid of him year after year. Like guy, this guy can't stay in the locker. Room. And he's got the one, the one stat that was it three players with at least eight sacks in the last four years, five years, six years, six years, six years. Oh, geez, even more than that. Aaron yeah. Donald and and, and yeah. Von Miller. Yeah. Meanwhile, the Colts have spent feels like six second round picks trying to find a defensive end. And, w- and again, what's going to impact his return, perhaps, is Quiddy Pay and, yeah. and Dio. How, yeah. how do they come up? Yeah, we sure. talked to Dio the other day 
holy smokes, he's he's a specimen. He's big. <laughs> he's a big kid. So, you know, it, it, that's why I say this line's got a chance to be pretty good. There's a, there are a couple guys here who who will make some big money next year. Quentin Nelson among them. You could see Unique. Uh, as well, yeah. So and then somewhere out, he will yeah, get money, yeah. And and outside shots, guys like a Matt Pryor, uh, and, and after that, uh, who knows? But uh, but yeah, there's some uh, some decisions to be made in the off season. But that's next off season. We have a whole off season here and a regular season, of course, to go. But just kind of giving you a primer for what to expect over the next year and some names to watch out for that could have a big impact either on this Colts team or another in the future, Joe. I was just going to say, if there's one player on this list who you guys think is under the most pressure to perform this year, who do you think it is? Paris Campbell, out of oh, all no these qu- guys. No question. It, it, but because of all we've talked about, if you take him off the list, Matt Pryor, because, because of the position. Yeah. Because I, of the position. I think Pr- Pryor could, yeah. He, he'll still find a role, I think, in the NFL, you know, even if left tackle doesn't work. Uh, like he told us this offseason. Great quote. Yeah. Best, best quote of the offseason. What, what was it? You can do a lot. but he, then said, get... he said, the more you do, the less you get paid. Exactly. And he can do a lot. Everybody knows right. that already. And, and again, <laughs> ideally, ideally, you know, Ray, Raymond is, is your left tackle. And then you've got Pryor. He started five games last year at three positions. That's what you want. But yeah. that's not what the player wants. The player says, let, let me grow at this position. So their question with, with, with Bernhard Raymond is, we want to leave him at one spot, but if Pryor is the starter, then they're going to – I'm telling you, they're, they're going to push Raymond over to right guard to push Danny Pinner. They are. Mm-hmm. So so, th- so there you have it, in short. All, any, more, any more Kenny Moore uh, No, nah, we have enough on Kenny we, Moore. We can talk more Carson Wentz if you want. No, I tell you, we, I, we were talking before. You're going to be so hard to live with if he has a good year and Matt Ryan – I guess I'm just going to be hard to live with then. <sighs> no, 20, we'll see what happens. I'm going to get you a T-shirt that's got 27-7 on it. That's right. I'll, I'll wear it proudly. <laughs> I think it's more of does Matt Ryan work out or not because certain players can excel in certain places and mm-hmm. not have the same success elsewhere. So if Matt Ryan and Carson Wentz both have good years this year. Then everybody's happy. Then everybody's You'll happy. You'll still be a pain to win. work with. <laughs> oh, that, You'll still be. You're, well, all, I'm just you're not a good anyway. winner. No, I, I am, I, I'm, I'm a right winner. Uh, I, I would agree with you, but then we'd both be wrong. I have so somebody hard, needs to be right. I have a hard time anticipating Matt Ryan sucking this mm-hmm. year. Yeah, I really do. It, it, it's it's the perfect situation for a guy who can still play yep. at a at a decent level. Mm-hmm. He's got the offense. Keep in mind, this offensive line wasn't good last year. It wasn't. They they were hurt. There was COVID, and they didn't play well. And Eric Fisher was all of the above. And you've got the running game that's going to be better. The passing game, which just went away late, is going to be decent. So it's it's there for him to just do your job, make the layups like Baller said, and then when the big plays there, hit him. I just kind of cracked open a can there. We got we got a little a little taste, but, we, but too much, way too much to go into anymore because we've come to the end of this Colts Blue Zone podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone for news and notes throughout the week. Individually, we are at Roto Street Joe. Uh, we are at mchapel51, and we are at DaveG underscore sports. We appreciate you listening. Subscribe to get us delivered to your podcast listening device as soon as we drop every week, and we will see you next time on the Colts Blue Zone podcast. 